Hello, welcome to We Don't Talk About Weather. Political discussion from the outside may look like screaming and crying. I'm Adam and this is Hugh. Hello. And we're here to talk news and politics. Mm-hmm. Hey! Away for a week. I've moved house now. Two weeks, I think. No, we did one previous week. Did we? Yeah. I don't know. Time. You've been, you've been sick as well, so actually it was a perfect time. Yeah, I was sick. I watched... I finished watching Evangelion for the first time as an adult man who's talked to, who's talked to a woman. Um, and um, yeah it's still great Um, did make the realisation that the human instrumentality project here is Brexit oh please don't no go on go on Shinji's dad is Seamus Milne the shadowy figure behind the scenes forcing Shinji to go through with Brexit right and because Shinji Jeremy Corbyn is terrible (laughs) at everything he fucks it all up I, I read my new column in the Independent. <laughs> Next, I'll do austerity explained through Urasaki Doji. <laughs> I've um, I I obviously knew of Evangelion, but I'd never watched it all mm. the way through. Mm. Um, and yeah, I've, it's really good. <laughs> Guess what? Yeah, it is. It's really, really good. I don't know. I, I liked. I liked the the first the series ending that apparently everybody hated. I had to get. It's one of those things where when you watch something really popular that's really old, mm. um, you also have to ask people who were like watching it at the time. Yeah. It's like, did people like this? No, and it was very much no. No, we didn't like it. Well, I was a kid as well. I yeah. did not. I did not like the ending originally. And then they doubled down on the um, on the Hell film, yes. and it's like it's like okay, yeah, fine, I like it. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I just don't. Pour me into some more uh, Japanese appropriation of Christian symbolism, please. Um, yeah, it's the only time I want to see Christian symbolism is through the medium of Japanese TV and film. Just all the time. Just let me see a giant robot being crucified. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> On <amazing>. the tree of life. <laughs> it's pretty good. The Kabbalic tree of life. But um, Yeah, and then the other important thing is G1 started now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a rundown. Okay. So, because, you know, our listeners obviously want to know, because there's a lot of matches. Yeah, it's true. So I'm going to give you like a little rundown of what to bother looking for. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we had Archer Osprey, which is the best match of Archer's career by wow, far. Oh, really? Yeah, definitely. To be fair, he's been shit for years. But um, yeah. Well, he's not been shit, but he's fine. But it's an amazing match. It's really good. It was really impressive. They do the big guy, little guy thing really well. Yeah. Um, Osprey nearly died again, um, but he likes to do that. Yeah. Um, there's a great spot with him doing a Suzuki special being caught into a choke bomb for a table. Nice. Pretty nice. Um, Farley versus Evil. Yeah. Go watch it. Friends don't let friends watch Farley matches. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sonata versus Sabre was really good. I liked it. A lot of people didn't really like it. Mm. Um, Sonata was... hasn't had that, I don't think, that big, great, great, know, great like match. A, like, it's, like, he's superb. Um, you Sabre can had, see he's superb. Sabre but... had it right. You know, wrestling in front of Americans, reading Shakespeare to dogs. <laughs> There's a good spot with Sonata swinging Sabre by the neck. <laughs> um, and Sabre's really good for doing that because he's quite little. Yeah. Um, then Kenta Ibushi, definitely watch it. Yeah. Um, because Ibushi's not going to be around for much longer by the looks <laughs> of it. Um, he's just going to die in the ring. Is Kenta still chubby? Um, well, no, he looks... Because he's, he's, looks... had, he's had so many shoulder injuries that I don't yeah, think he, he can looks... do the same like, level okay, of cardio he looks, on that. He looks a little a little doughy, but he looks it looks great on him. Mm. Um, he looks awesome. Little bruiser. I, I did not like his music. Oh, what was um, it? It's just, it's just shitty. It's like, the thing is... I, I, it's not chopsticks like they used to do in WCW and WWE, no. where they, every, if you were an, an Asian wrestler, no, it's just they would metal. just give you. Fuck me! It's just shitty metal. Um, and like but the best music, the best entrance music in um, in New Japan is Shibata's. Yeah, um, sure. Or Takamichinoku's 
because you know yeah. you can't talk a Marvel fuck off. <laughs> um, but that was a good match. And then Okada Tanahashi is amazing, and you should watch it. Yeah, of and course. It's great. I mean, it was a very good show. I'm not going to tell you about the stupid tag matches. They're stupid. I hate them. Well, they're peripher- they're fine. They're peripherals. They're fine. Um, just get everyone on the card. Yeah. Naito tried to um, take off the turnbuckle to against Yano, and it's like, yeah. you fool. Let's Yano move. <laughs> But yeah, that's the G1. Yeah. Next week, there'll be like about 50 matches. <laughs> okay, so the 15 people who are left listening. Uh, <laughs> this is what we're going to talk about this week. Um, yeah, but the rest, of, the rest of the stuff that's happened this week has been shit. Because like politics is fucking terrible. Everyone knows that politics is terrible. You need wrestling in your life. So go watch some Japanese wrestling. Don't listen what to about, us. Okay, wrestling politics. Uh, or political wrestling. So in the political ring this week... Yeah. Um, We've got Labour... Le- I have struggled to come up with the word voluntary deselections. So the Labour Party sent out a letter, a pro forma, to every MP to ask mm-hmm. whether they were going to stand mm-hmm. in the next election whenever that is, yep. presumably sooner rather than later. Um, and a few names have kind of come up. Um, uh, Jim Fitzpatrick, uh, Ronnie Campbell... Um, Stephen Twig, uh, Stephen Pound, who was a uh, he's currently secretary for Northern Ireland. Uh, Jeffrey Robinson, who was Attorney General, I think, during the Blair years, mm-hmm. um, but mostly like older MPs who, in fact, who a we? number of them who who had said before twenty seventeen that they wouldn't stand for another election, and then uh, because it all came on so suddenly, yeah. they just said, "Yeah, I'll stand." Yeah. Um, I suppose the biggest name is Kate Huey. Yeah. MP for Vauxhall mm-hmm. uh, and winner of the bizarrest Labour MP uh, award and it's a stiff she's, category. She is a weird one. She's an odd one. Um, so she's super pro-Brexit, yep. like appeared with Farage on mm-hmm. in Vote Leave, all of that kind of stuff. Um, voted against May's deal every time because she supports no deal to the death. <laughs> um Previous to that, she was known for kind of socially conservative views, oh, fox shit. hunting, things yeah. like that. and <laughs> Stuff that really, her constituents in Vox will really care about, fox hunting. That's the thing. Trenchant support for Ulster unionism. Yeah, she was saying about that. For it's really odd. In fact, somebody on Twitter actually pointed out she used to be a member of um, something called the British and Irish Communist Organisation, um, which was this small Maoist sect. Awesome. Um, based in small Maoist sects. <laughs> it's kind of a theme, isn't it? Um, who basically they they regarded the unionist working they opposed any kind of unification or um, uh, like Catholic inclusion in decision making in Northern Ireland because of the revolutionary potential of the unionist working class the Protestant working class mm-hmm. um, and they subscribed to something called the Two Nations Theory which mm-hmm. was that the Protestant working class in Ireland mm. was an oppressed class, mm-hmm. was a revolutionary class, mm-hmm. and deserved self-determination. Mm-hmm. Presumably with the full consent of the British state. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, you, they might remind you of another little, uh, another little revolutionary sect um, in that at some point, I can't remember what it was over, but they did get sued by Mary McAleese, who was the president of Ireland, and their magazine was forced to close. <laughs> oh. Just like Spiked. She's Just like, like Living Marxism. Like failure Spiked. Yeah. 
They still exist. Um, there's a there's a, a historical revisionist society, um, and a couple of like uh, small publications and things like that. But yeah, that's really weird. It's a so very, why did they hate bizarre. Catholics so much? Um, it was that I, I mean, the, from reading their Wikipedia entry, <laughs> um, which is long, um, I would guess that it's 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 that thing that Trotskyist groups always do. It's Sexual assault. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was the idea that you have to pick a specific subgroup mm-hmm. to identify that's, as that's the revolutionary one. class. So that's your game. Because you're looking for the vital essence. Mm. You're looking for the energy of where the revolution is going to come from. It's going to come from somewhere, but it, you've got to identify. You've got to, you've got to find, the, uh, find the snitch. Yeah. They were, it's, it's, it's like how it was in the olden days when you're picking your console. Mm. And then they stick to stick to their guns. Like maybe that's why I like them so much. Is you know I had a Saturn, <laughs> so you know how to back a winner. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you know I've always made correct decisions. <laughs> Do you a Saturn is better than PlayStation? But um, I'll stick to that till I die. Sony's suing me and making me shut down my publication. <laughs> so for some reason, Sony choosing you among all the Saturn fanboys to sue. <laughs> Well, to be fair, for I, your opinions, I did say that Sony were like um, were staging that um, that genocide in in um, Bosnia. <laughs> um, but one MP who has definitely said they are standing in the next mm-hmm. election, our local MP Stella Creasy. Of um, course she is, because of course she is. She she came to my attention this week, and I couldn't I couldn't not say it. I know we've done Stella Creasy before, mm-hmm. um, but gift that keeps on giving. Um, yeah. She appeared on ITV's Acting Prime Minister. She's podcast. obviously um, a fan of the show because she blocked both of us, but she's kept. She's still following. Oh yeah, she she's still d- I mean, the podcast. She listens Therefore, to it. She doesn't want to see pictures of my dog, but she <laughs> likes hearing criticism of herself. So she likes being criticised, but hates dogs. <laughs> Folk crazy. <laughs> yeah, she appeared on uh, an ITV podcast called Acting Prime Minister. They get people in and say you're acting Prime Minister, and then ask you a load of questions mm-hmm. based on it. Um, the main thing that come out that came out of it. Full police abolition? Uh, yeah, it was full police abolition, no borders, weirdly mm. enough, um, and immediate barrack communism. It was <laughs> it was odd. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> they asked her, like, she kept... I, I watched the whole thing, Yeah. and there's obviously... It's barricaded by, by, the, soft, by the softball questions um, intended to make you like her, mm-hmm. which I imagine they do with every, every guest. Mm-hmm. Um, they asked her what she would do. She, she kept going on and on about how this place, mm-hmm. meaning Westminster, she was in her like Westminster offices, and she kept going on about how uh, she wanted to change things and how the system was, was not, not fit to, to, to handle Brexit or indeed anything else. Um, she did say it was 650 people in a place that looks like Hogwarts gone wrong she said she wouldn't want to be MP because the way we run this country doesn't work I come in and advocate for different ways of working colleagues say it's a bit like being Uber it's very disruptive I take that as a compliment she she doesn't want to be MP she doesn't want to be PM oh doesn't want to be be Prime Minister okay but it's it's just the so I approach every Stella Creasy. Why does she stand for being deputy leader then? <laughs> if she doesn't like power, because she did do that. Yeah, that was a thing that happened. Maybe because she's not going to get there. <laughs> she, she knows she's she, not going to get there yeah. because of her repellent opinions. Yeah, what Tom um, Watson got? I, I yeah, I I kind of like approach every Stella Creasy 
thing with like, I try and approach it with an open mind because similar to Jess Phillips, maybe a little less so, but similar to Jess Phillips, I can't quite work out what she's going for. Mm-hmm. Whenever she talks, whenever I've seen a number of her like lectures and, and articles and things like that, and I can never quite work out, she doesn't seem to have any kind of joined up thinking around the things that she proposes. Like, of course, she goes for kind of uh, legalising abortion in Northern Ireland. That's mm-hmm. something that uh, every left-winger, every progressive should want. Um, and like kind of goes around the edges on, on those issues that are important issues. But when she strays into other other areas, like she's talking about like here, like the fundamental working of British politics, yeah. which is a seriously important question at this mm-hmm. point. But I can never quite work out and she never gives any clues as to what what she actually wants out yeah. of it. Um, she says, uh, she, the main thing that came out of this was she said, I wouldn't have a manifesto. I'd have mm. a set of five ambitions because mm. you can't do everything. And actually, I think people respect that. To be fair, she's always been like, she's been a, like, because I've disliked voting for her each time. She's mm. pretty much a standard bearer for vote for something you don't want because that's all you're getting. <laughs> and so her policy of like no manifesto sounds about right up her alley. <laughs> you can't do everything, so let's do nothing. <laughs> well, it's a good job nothing will come up in that time. Yeah. Nothing nothing important will change in those five years. Oh, no, nothing does. But I mean, uh, her example of like, she, keep, she kept talking about, oh, changing things. The people who change things, they pay a price. They pay a premium. Meaning herself. And it's what like did she change? And it's like she got. I don't know. I've read so much of your stuff, and I don't know what you're wanting. She got a lot of abuse for the thing with the putting a woman on the money. I know yeah. she got a lot of abuse for that, and she got a lot of abuse for um, for her stuff with abortion. Mm. Um, she also got what she called abuse, a lot of it for voting for airstrikes. <laughs> um, but like some of that, it's like. Yeah, she get like like you pay a premium for doing for doing things. It's like yeah, you're gonna. The but the thing is, thing is you're no, but gonna that, get shouted at if you try and. I don't even think that's not what she was talking about. Yeah. I don't. She's not talking about the little people. That's the other thing that oh. comes across in this interview. She separates the abuse that she gets, which yeah. is unwarranted, yeah. and stupid, yep. and terrible. She separates that from people who she doesn't care about, mm-hmm. um, from the things that she's alluding to, which was. Her fellow MPs, people oh, okay. who are on her level. Okay. Um, she continued with that five ambitions thing. She said, "What people want is a government that people that knows what is an important priority. Mm-hmm. So if you say elect us, and in the next five years we are going to, and we say we are going to cut obesity in this country, I would say to every single government department, right, two weeks, you come up with the proposals for how we make that happen. You might want to work across other people. We'll decide what we're going to fund, and then we'll decide what government department is going to do it. <laughs> Fight for the outcome, and then let the money flow. Five clear things focus on the outcomes rather than the institutions." Or the people that do them. So, the Department of Defence asks for more guns and tanks. Yeah. The Home Office say, "Well, we can deport them." <laughs> and she was going on about like how, oh, it's such a bun fight between government departments. Um, well, for, what, for and it's like, well, yeah, yeah, because they have entrenched interests. Yeah, that like the Department for Education has certain interests and certain impulses. The Department for Health has an impulse towards private healthcare companies. The military has um, is almost entirely run by Boeing and um, yeah. and uh, arms companies, and that is a, and that's not a new thing. That's no. that's what's missing from that is the idea. Like she she 
she covers everything in this kind of like fog of glibness mm. and niceness. Mm-hmm. Like it's very obvious that she's trying to make people like her as a person. Mm. Um, and it doesn't ever, it doesn't ever like when she, whenever she's, you can tell the kind of privileged position she's in as well, because she talks about how all the abuse she's getting, but then doesn't talk for instance about her persona on social media is of somebody who doxes people. Yeah. Who will who name searches and who goes goes after people? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't really understand what it is she thinks she gains by that. Um, you know, like yeah, it, it 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 indicates this separation between who she thinks she is, who she because she goes on a lot in the second part of the interview about um, debate and how she hates the current Labour Party because there's no debate. Um, what was it she said? Yeah, she said about factionalism in the Labour Party. I'm from the co-op strand. It's it's a bit hippie. See, put blend that in there. It's a bit hippie. Citation needed. And you always really <laughs> citation needed on the fact that the Labour co-op is full of hippies. <laughs> and you always had that positive tension. You'd have a debate and discussion, but you'd always go to the pub afterwards. That doesn't happen now. The Labour movement has to have a purpose. The she NHS does go to the pub afterwards after those meetings, because I've seen them there. For instance, the NHS was founded at a time when most people were dying of infectious diseases. Now it's about lifestyle. I've got to ask why you've got to ask why you want power. It's to change those things, and those debates aren't happening. You can't have that energy to change things if there's no debate. Ask any Labour leader, I've always been a pain in the neck. And it's that's, like that's literally no. That's there has never been more debate no. in the Labour Party about tactics and strategy yeah. than there is now. Um, also, that's such fucking bollocks. Because specifically, when she got when she got in the first time in two thousand fifteen, yeah. Mm. Um, one of the things that people said about her, uh, no, she was in two thousand ten. Yeah, she was. Um, one of the things that people said about her was she was someone that would never criticise the leadership. <laughs> that was literally a thing that was said about her, and that was completely true until Jeremy Corbyn. It was. It's that kind of thing of like, oh, there's which fine. I, crit- that, 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 that trope, fine, that but... trope of saying that there's no debate, and it's, it's like there was there debate in the Blair years mm-hmm. because I remember him being specifically lauded mm. for shutting down the kind of what people from the outside called divisive internal mm. debates mm. in the like resolving those those problems from the eighties. Mm. He specifically was lauded for his message discipline. Mm. People. Uh, PR agencies, um, political active, uh, political like uh, wonks said people don't like to see a political party arguing, mm. and that's not just fractious arguments and like pointless arguments and debates. That was all of it. Mm. There was no policy debate at all no. during um, the Blair years, and she was a member of the Labour Party during that time. Yeah, she was. A... It's a straight up fucking lie. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I can't get over the fucking ideas, fucking bollocks with the manifesto. It's like, so say you have it's, it's the centri- so, the centrist. Like, no, you ban manifestos. No one has manifestos. Yeah. So what you have is you have each party like, okay, you can't have colours because that's too divisive. Yeah. So you have everyone in beige, so no one can tell the difference. And so on. no, you can't like you know blue Tory, uh, red Labour. Uh. So you know all nice and beige because no political party is beige. Yeah. Um, and then you have. The, the one that says they want to reduce poverty. Yep. They want to yes. increase health. I love that They one. want to um, make the streets safer. Yep. They want to make our country safer. And they want to incre- improve schools. Now, which party says that? All of the parties say that. Yeah. But all of them have the exact same manifesto. And then afterwards, all of them go, they've got, oh, look, okay, we're going to reduce poverty. They all go to the same Adam Smith Institute twat and yeah. say, how are we going to reduce poverty? And they say, by cutting taxes to the rich. Exactly. 
because of trickle down theory. It's like there's no. I know she's not stupid. No, no, she's got like a master's she, in. She's got a market from, master's from in LSE. economics. I think yeah, she went to Cambridge and then um, LSE. So yeah, she's she's not she's not she's not dumb at all. She knows what she's doing. It's that it's that very like it's very centrist. Mm. That very centrist thing of the two greatest things you need are a thesaurus, mm-hmm. ability to not like talk down to people while sounding nice. Because that's what she's doing in this whole interview. I mean, yeah. go and watch it. It's on the ITV website, mm. Acting PM Podcast, and mm. there's a video. And she's trying very carefully to... Like, she talks about her favourite Star Wars character and... Who's her like, favourite Star Wars character? Uh, she really loves Boba Fett. There we go. Fuck. <laughs> um, and, and he is the best one. There, there was an but interest, still, it's, like actually, it's there, so manipulative. There was a really interesting thing, because first off, um, she's currently expecting, um, and... She uh, she did say, oh, I can't forget. I like the original trilogy, but I can't. I still can't forgive Django. And she goes, no, wait, Django. Oh no, I don't mean Django. I mean Jar Jar. Sorry, yeah. baby brain. And it was like, yeah, but you really do mean Django. And I was thinking that I was like, I sound like the worst kind of prick <laughs> <laughs> because Django was the biggest disappointment in episode one <laughs> or episode two, whatever it was. I don't know. I don't. I don't. Um, I don't, I don't we're retconning that. Boba Fett to make him a Mandalorian and all. Oh yeah, shit! Yeah. They did, didn't they? Yeah, but no, it's like oh, oh, and him being the the stormtroopers, the clone stop. Anyway, this is yeah, yeah terrible. It's stop talking about Star Wars. Yeah, but um, um, <laughs> but it's yeah, it's like oh no, it makes my skin crawl. All that stuff, the authentic crap bollocks. It makes my skin crawl because you sent me a picture of her with the um, the drawing some. I'd say child, but I can't see a child being that into their local MP to do the drawing. So I'm gonna say. A thirsty forty-five-year-old man <laughs> drew a picture of her as Captain Marvel. Yeah, in the 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 early, they pan around the office, and there's a, a hand-drawn picture of the the current Marvel, like Captain Marvel, and it's like Captain Creasy, and it's her, and it's like, uh, oh, I, I've try, I try so hard hmm. to give her the benefit of the doubt because ingrained misogyny is a yeah. thing that we all have. Definitely. Like, I definitely have it, and. The only thing I can really do is try to like try to work out if my behaviour or my opinions are, are, are yeah. being are being swayed by it. But it's so hard to work with what <laughs> people like Stella Creasy, MPs like Stella Creasy give you. Yeah. You know, like there's the still, there's the there was the bit where she was asked, um, do you think Corbyn could be PM? Mm-hmm. Not should, but could. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're in the natural world now. We're not in the world of moral and political choices with mm-hmm. Corbyn. They per- they portray it like some similar to a flood or a hurricane. <laughs> um, and she said, yes, I think that anything's possible. But then I thought Donald Trump would never be elected. I've not been down the bookies in years. Ha ha ha. The bookies that she promised to shut down. Yeah. Um, um, and the only thing... They've got a lot of bookies in Wolfram, so she'd have a lot to choose from. She could have done something about that. Um, <laughs> uh, she goes on a lot. The standard centrist stuff about not... Met, like, uh, trying to get away from binary choices. That Citizens' Assembly thing she brought up again. Mm-hmm. Of We resolve uh, Brexit by introducing Citizens' Assemblies and uh, deliberative democracy. I think they and really like, should. They should bring in a Citizens' Assembly. Do a random polling of 200 people. Put them all in a room. See what they want. And do you know what you're going to have? You're going to have half of them want Brexit and half of them don't want to have fucking <laughs> yeah. Brexit. And then, do you know what you could do? You're going to get another group. And they're well, going to say the same fucking thing. Well, also, like, I like... I like like more of that kind of democracy, but I, mm. I feel like she feels like it's a way of avoiding having to make those stands herself. I mean, yeah. she's she's like pro Remain. That's her. That's mm. her thing. Um, 
which sounds like a binary choice to me. And again, it's yeah. it's this constant toing and froing between saying the standard points that makes you sound like a good person, mm-hmm. that makes you sound what like what you think a normal person thinks, mm. and then going back to you know like um, really like vicious political infighting that she's a part of. Mm-hmm. I've seen how she behaves on 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 social media. I've mm. seen how she treats people who she thinks are are below her. That's up to and including like Labour Party members. Yeah. Um, I've seen how she tweets about say Israel. Mm. An interesting little fact to end on. Uh, a little well fact facet to end on. She uh, apparently told the interviewer not to mention it, but then she ended up bringing it up. Um, she keeps little Nerf guns in the constituency office. To shoot at children, children who she knows she was keen to uh, <laughs> yeah. thing. And do you remember that tweet she sent about uh, both sides, both sides in Israel Palestine? The last time there was uh, airstrikes on Gaza, no. she said, "Terrible scenes in Israel. Nations have right to defend borders, but responses to violence must be proportionate. Deaths and injuries of Gazans, as well as those few protesters intent on harming Israeli citizens, must be condemned." I don't think she's the worst MP. Mm. But I do think she's one of the most baffling. Maybe, mm. maybe beaten only by Jess Phillips, mm. who makes more of a stand about it. Whereas Stella Creasy kind of leans back very heavily on nice middle classness, but it hides so. this. In, like you're a, you're an MP, you're in politics. Politics is incredibly vicious, especially mm. in the capitalist mode. Mm-hmm. You are cutting. You are hurting people. You are going to war. You're mm. in a, f- a first world capitalist country. Those decisions are ones that she is presented with every day and mostly chooses the wrong side of. Mm. So to hide it behind this very middle class niceness is an infuriating smokescreen. Mm. really is. So you're looking forward to her to be Prime Minister? And Legal I will vote for her at the next election. Which yeah. fucking sucks. Doesn't that fucking suck? Yeah. Maybe that's a different way we could do things. I will... Like there will be people I know have that will be door knocking for her. There will be people I know who will be door knocking for her that if they criticize her on Twitter, she will be horrible to. Yeah, I know plenty of people. She'll go and look them up on Facebook. She did it to someone. She did it to um, someone on Twitter. She, yeah. someone on Twitter posted about her, not even like directly, mm. and um, she looked them up on Facebook. Mm. Yeah, and yes. talked about all the things they were posting on Facebook with the implicit threat that she could release their real name. Yeah, yeah, so which it, is like, how is that? Like, yeah, uh, normal things. Normal things that a normal MP does. Yeah. So, secondly, this week we wanted to talk about the most pressing issue. It's dominated the headlines for a couple of days. Uh, the Labour Party moving towards not only supporting a refer a second referendum on Brexit, but coming to campaign for Remain when that mm. happens and the mechanics of that. Um, Don't want to talk about Brexit. <laughs> got to at some point bit my dummy out of my mouth no <laughs> um, so today the trade unions agreed a joint position on Brexit they said that any deal negotiated by a conservative government must be subject to a referendum on it um, against Remain with the party to back a, rem- a Remain vote and that any deal negotiated by a Labour government must be subject to a referendum on it with a choice between that deal and Remain okay um, so it's the for the first time in a long time all the all the unions have kind of come together and agreed this position jointly. Mm-hmm. Um, between them, they have enough votes at the Labour conference to make it uh, official policy. Yeah. Um, 
And I thought there's no debate. <laughs> yeah, there's no debate in the party at all. Yeah. It's uh, um, but this has been kind of shat- like pr- uh, foreshadowed for quite a while. Um, obviously, we have Monsieur Paul Mason, noted spice addict Paul Mason, spice addict. Yeah, the spice is the life. Mm-hmm. Paul Mason. Um, he's been. When was it that he converted to a solidly, some might say, rabidly pro-Remain position? When he, bought, f- when he bought that jacket in All Saints. <laughs> <laughs> and he saw himself he, in the mirror and was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he wrote uh, on the 1st of July on Twitter, the substance is that Labour is about to change its policy to Remain plus a second referendum. That's why British Stalinism, which did... Whoa there, Paul. Whoa. Hold on, Paul. Paul. Paul, speak to me, Paul. What have you taken? What have you taken, Paul? I have seen him hanging around Charing Cross by that phone. Have you really? Yeah. <laughs> what, for the actual spice? The, the spice phone? Oh, no, I have not. Actually, I have seen him walk past there, but a lot of people walk past there. Yeah, well, I'm just scouting it out for later. Exactly. Um, let me continue that's, that's why British Stalinism which destroys everything it ever touches is enraged the rearguard action against Labour members democratic wishes by a small group of party officials and union bureaucrats is damaging Labour's reputation with the electorate British Stalinism though, like what okay he's gonna have, he has a vague definition of British Stalinism that yeah. a lot of them do which is like ah I don't like it Stalinism um, but like the Morning Star, the British Communist Party. Yeah, they voted for Labour and come out in support of Labour at like every election. Yes, so have maybe that's what destroyed Labour. <laughs> um, did British his... Stalinists steal his coat? Did they say he looked stupid in that jacket? There's a weird thing. Maybe with... that's what happened. He he's... thought he looked great, and then he walked out, and there was Stalin, <laughs> British Stalin, like a wearing kind of... the same jacket. Yeah, like, but like a Cockney Stalin, <laughs> and he just said he looked stupid. Um. He's an old Trotskyist, yeah, yeah. Trotskyite, mm-hmm. and he seems to have taken all of the bad habits of Trotskyism and none of the actual analysis. Mm-hmm. So he finds something, and it's you saying he's a sex he's well, well, no, that the pivot of Trotskyism was always that socialism had been betrayed. Yeah, yeah, it was just around the corner, and it had it like the revolution had been betrayed. Mm-hmm. Whereas there's actual. Do you remember that really, really smug video he did at the Progress Conference, mm. where he's going, um, "All of you are welcome in Jeremy Corbyn's Labour Party, yeah. but if you want a, a what was it, a pro, a, pro a pro austerity, a pro Remain party, this is not it." Mm. And it's like he pivots with such passion <laughs> to yeah, he is super whatever passion. he believes that week. He's super passionate about the last thing he saw. Yeah, um, he. Continued, the key is to stop ignoring the polling evidence, put professionals in charge of strategy. Wait, I thought he was against like privileged bureaucrats and elite cadres in the party. Whatever. Um, put professionals in charge of strategy, as per Sanders and Warren. <laughs> no. uh-huh. Forget Lexit and start to talk to working class people in the language of progressive ideals. I've fought Stalinism and the privileged union bureaucracy my entire life. Fought Stalinism his entire life. It's like... Back alley fist fights. <laughs> My advice to fellow Labour activists, above all other members of the left journalism precariat, is do not fear their vilification tactics. Their world is over. He he really loves he's he's he does kind of like feed on youth energy as well. Because mm. that's a very like utopian millennial twenty seventeen phrase, isn't it? Their world yeah. is over. That's yeah. um a weird thing. He actually uh, continued that in a in a, an article in the New Statesman. 
um, saying, there were always numerous fractions lined up within Corbynism. The unions needed a party less addicted to privatisation and anti-union laws. Welfare recipients were sick of the bullying state. Anti-capitalist environmentalists wanted radical action. Plus, there was the old Stalinist wing of the movement with its perennial obsessions, opposition to Trident NATO and the UN uh, and the EU. <laughs> so that's what he means. Yeah, so he came out of... Um... From the War- Warsaw Pact caucus <laughs> of the, la- the British Labour Party... <laughs> And it's got this, so yeah, so he's coming out of All Saints. He's in yeah. his jacket, yeah, and he's like, he thinks he's really cool. He gets onto his little motorbike, which has got a Trident missile on the back that he puts his arm around, puts his little helmet on because it's his girlfriend. There's no missile. And he then, just calls it his Trident missile. <laughs> yeah, and um, that's what he calls and his then, dick. And then British Cockney Stalin, um, then British Cockney Stalin just hmm. says something mean about his his missile bird. <laughs> what I think, right, British Cockney Stalin. Yeah. What I think, right, yeah is that we've got to build socialism in this country, yeah, <laughs> before we worry about exporting revolution abroad. Then came it in with a nice pink. And that's where the bigger problem begins, he continues. And that's where the bigger problem begins. All these groups could be contained within a project of anti-austerity and democratisation. Not all of them can be contained within an internationalist response to Brexit. And now we are finding out not all of them are committed to democracy as a means of sorting out differences, says the man who wants to overturn the first... Referendum? Mm. I just don't. The ones who like say they don't like democracy at the moment. It's a lot of um, like I don't like it when Farage and his lot cite the referendum as like you know because democracy isn't like a. It's not an overwhelming like knockout punch. Yeah, but also things change and all that kind of stuff. But also a lot of the stuff like the Paul Mason side and like the Tom Watson side citing that that poll that. Tom Watson did on his fucking website yeah. that was an exercise in get, gathering people's email addresses. But it's like, but I did a thing. And it's like, <laughs> I could do a poll. I could do a poll in this house right now. Yeah. What happened in the last, like, few months that everybody started going on about polling again? There was some bad polls. It seems like after every election, there's a huge moratorium among everybody, including, like, people on the left, yeah. of saying polling's, like, a weird, delicate sometimes very nonsensical thing that doesn't accurately reflect outcomes mm. and you shouldn't necessarily base pol- like policy on it mm. and, and your positioning on it. And then it, like th- every three months or so, everybody goes mad about well, polls it's like, again. It's like the racing form. And like, if my dad will <laughs> I've have... I've got a, a system. Yeah, my dad will have a system mm-hmm. and he'll have this system right up until he's handed the money over and then it goes wrong. And then he doesn't have a system and systems are dumb until... The next race is in about like fifteen minutes, <laughs> and as it gets closer to that moment, then his system is working again, and it's like that with elections. Yeah, um, well, yeah, yeah, because you know they cast, you know, you cast several ballots before you take your general election vote, hmm. so uh, that's that's probably pretty good to predict the the outcome, <laughs> isn't it? Oh no, you don't. You just do that once, and it's all to play for up until that point. Hmm. You know, I, I just don't, I don't get it. Like. Paul Mason is obviously an idiot and a conspiracist and he seems to have taken on some of liberalism's recent conspiracist like drivel looking for like looking for individuals rather than than like structures and power and and all that. Don't trust a man over fifty who has a motorcycle jacket and no motorbike. (laughs) (laughs) Oh he has a motorbike, he calls it Polaris. (laughs) Um it's just Come like on, Polaris, we're going to Argentina. It's just like the idea that as well, like the Labour Party leadership at the top of the Labour Party is 
are all secret Lexiters mm. that have managed to keep it secret all this time by proposing not a Lexit position. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I haven't seen a Lexit position come out of the Labour Party. No. There's, you know what? There's several um, Lexit positions attached to the Labour Party and the left, definitely. Mm. Um, at worst, it gets really cranky. Mm-hmm. Um, at best, it makes some very decent points about what the left should probably be thinking about as regards this whole thing. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, any good socialist is going to have to be, like, at least a little suspicious of the EU. Well, look... It went well for Cerise. <laughs> and how could you not trust an organisation that puts Christine Lagarde into a position of power? It wasn't like she was found guilty of any kind of financial irregularities years ago and didn't have to go to prison for it. That didn't happen. Did happen. Um, and she's a trustworthy person. Yeah, if I... yeah, No, but I it made her rich, so it doesn't count. Yeah, if I... if Yeah. Remain in reform. Ask Christine Lagarde nicely. If she could stop being super right-wing and into privatisation. <laughs> Ask her if this time she'll treat you nicely, unlike the way she treated Greece. <laughs> Which she admitted wouldn't work. Mm. And just caused misery. Um, yeah. I Like, obviously, there's been a few people. Like, Owen Jones, I think, fell um, <laughs> a few weeks ago. He was, as usual, more measured and, and sensible, saying that, like, the whole Corbyn project is at risk. If they don't back a remain a remain vote, which I don't think is necessarily true, but by the Corbyn project I mean the kind of demarketization of society, the kind of kickback like against austerity. And I don't like to be mean about Owen Jones too much, but Owen Jones wasn't really in favour of the Corbyn project right up until the <laughs> last won. election. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it like I know I might be like probably the last person who thinks this. I'm sure there are a few, hmm. but. I don't think that Labour's position up until now has been all that bad. No. It's been soft Brexit. Has basi- I mean, to be honest, it's basically been a second referendum on the final deal if the final deal was bad yeah. or if there was a risk of a no deal. Yeah. That has been Labour Party policy. It's not been exactly... Like, it's not, it's not that complicated. Yeah. It hasn't been loudly stated because, yeah, you know what, Paul Mason on that... like front is right the Labour Party contains multitudes it contains a lot of different strands all of which it's a, it's a coalition like any other party it can it contains different um different tendencies and, and different things that it will try and keep happy one of the things I think is a real risk of going as gung-ho for pro-remain as if it's a principle in itself mm. as opposed to the means a, a str- like a tactical means to like means to an end of like sorting the party out Mm -hmm. um is that one of the one of the safeguards of of kind of corbynism as it stands one of the ideals it inherited from like its origins as like a almost a benite project Mm -hmm. has been this insistence on on uh democratic principles everywhere i think it's actually a very subtle and actually quite a strong one Mm. Um, introducing democracy into workplaces, introducing democracy into a lot of different facets of the Labour Party, where it's been stymied or, or otherwise. Um, I think, if anything, they haven't lent on it strong enough. I think, if anything, they haven't been shouting it from the rooftops, uh, mainly because most of the Labour right hear democracy and immediately reach for their seat, mm-hmm. um, their parliamentary seat, but also their chairs, because mm. they 
every parliamentary seat comes literally with a parliamentary seat <laughs> with their name on it, like a director's chair. <laughs> With a little star on the back, because that's what they all are. They're little, special. they're little special stars. Um, I think, like, it just, the Brexit vote as a democratic vote, I think it kind of has to be, at least for a little bit, respected and acknowledged that it happened, mm-hmm. which so much of rabid Remainerism mm. doesn't respect it and thinks it's an aberration. And yeah. it, it, frankly, it's not. No, it did happen, and and something has to be done. If you want to do Brexit and then have another vote, hmm. th- I think that would probably be fine. That's like been my 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 kind of position from from for a while. Is that like do it, do it according to the principles that will hurt people the least, hmm. and see how it goes. If it doesn't go, if if the all out war with financial capital isn't going too well, hmm. maybe you come back on side. They won't let you, but. We have to deal with that as have to deal with it as it yeah. plays, um, but I think like respecting the Brexit vote for what it was has to be one of those principles that they uphold because otherwise, it does undermine one of the pillars of legitimacy. Yeah, that they that any kind of future future kind of reforms would lean on. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be that great if it comes to introducing workplace democracy and like big business or entrenched interests can then come and say, well, you didn't ex- respect the, the, the Brexit process. Mm. So why should we, why should we not overturn this one? Yeah. Um, and obviously like, it's not that simple. The Brexit vote at, has a number of repercussions and demo- democracy in and of itself isn't a solution to it mm. because aside from anything, you have a load of different overlapping votes. You have the vote in the Labour conference, you have the votes within parliament, you have the Brexit vote itself, you have, general elections there's a lot of different kind of there's a lot of different things to manage of what the population wants what labor members want and then like what policy labor delegates are going to vote on Mm. right um what i really really despise and what is the real danger in just blithely accepting labor's move to remain is that it buys into what i think is ultimately a capitalist realist argument that everything is about brexit now Mm. um Brexit politics appears very simple and obvious to a lot of its partisans because political journalism and the spent forces within British politics wants it to be. It's a little bit of oppositional politics to try and rally what's left of their base. Liberalism wouldn't have a base now, Hmm. I don't think, um, if it weren't for the nature of the way Brexit has been kind of whipped up and portrayed. Um, you know, the right attaches what it wants to Brexit, you know, capital, like super free market capitalism, racism, mm. all of that kind of stuff. And the liberal and labor right have attached what they want to, to the Brexit process. All those like patriotic socialism guys suddenly decided to become pucker Europeans. Yeah. You know, it just because it was something they could throw at the left. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't like some kind of natural trajectory. They zigzag, which is why it's so easy to get someone like Chucker or Tom Watson saying something exactly opposite, you know, six months ago or a year yeah. ago. Um, if you want, you know, ultimately, if you want to repl- if you're on the left, you want to replace capitalism with something better. That does mean dealing with the EU as it is, mm-hmm. and the idea of shoving yourself into this thing of it's either absolutely pull it out, like pull. <laughs> Either it's absolutely like leave at all costs or remain at all costs, kind of buys into their 
their argument that it's like this is a negotiation with a fucking trading block mm-hmm. and well the le- like saying to the left oh well if uh, if the right can't negotiate this bourgeois trade tr- this trade treaty that ultimately is a bourgeois capitalist instrument mm. if uh, the right can't uh, negotiate it and you ha- want power you're going to have to deal with it yeah. you're going to have to come come into this world and negotiate it on our terms mm. you know yeah like, it's not even like Labour are the only ones who've been cagey about it. Did you see that People's Vote thing this week? Oh, well, the People's, People's Vote, Vote campaign. Out, campaign they actually in favour of Remain. Finally confirming <laughs> that actually they would favour Remain. And it's like, That's weird. I didn't what, are you, the, what are you talking about? You've always done that. Yeah, I wasn't sure what the EU supercar's position on Brexit was. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, that's the demand for a second referendum is a Remain position. And mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of I thought that was implicit. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Implicit or... Actually explicit. Yeah, because, like, did they want double Brexit? Because they're going to get double Brexit. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's a weird one, that one. That was a weird... Mm. That, was, that didn't yeah. make much sense. It's not one. Um, and, like, okay, so Labour are going to support Remain. They mm-hmm. are going to take their historical position as the Liberal Party of the UK. Mm-hmm. Small L. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what... Liberal forces want it's what centrists want, and they will not stop bitching about it. They oh no, will, they, they, they won't will believe never it. ever stop bitching Don't, about it. Say it's too they late. haven't. Too they haven't. To, they haven't today. No, they have still. The Lib Dems are still going on at them about mm-hmm. adopting a position that they themselves haven't adopted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, like, if, even if his messaging hasn't exactly been clear cut, he's been consistent. Corbyn, mm. he's voted like four times for um, like Commons vote mm. in Commons vote Commons votes on avoiding No Deal, and backing a final referendum on whatever deal came out. Mm. Like, he's he's consistently voted for it. It wasn't a fudge. It wasn't easy. It wasn't, like, it was based on the idea that there was a way through mm. to, uni- you know, that thing that liberals always love, uniting the country, mm. which was exactly what a soft Brexit or a Norway or whatever you want to call it, that's exactly what it was called. Now, he can't control Farage going off on people about oh, yeah. every single Brexit that he could possibly get is a betrayal yeah. because the far right need a betrayal. Yeah, yeah. If they don't have one, they have to manufacture one. Yeah. They don't get their grievance politics. They don't get grievances from a well-managed like transition. Yeah. You know? Um it does co- sort of show up as well what they think of what they actually really think of bipartisanship and, mm. and unity governments and all that shit. Remember a few we- uh, a few months ago when they were all talking about there has to be a government of all the talents mm-hmm. and they were they were fantasy booking. Because they it was it. natural that all the parties had to had to come together like war mm. and do a thing to, well, actually I'm not even entirely sure because they were all Remainers. And presumably a government of all the talents would have had to include Brexiters. But anyway. Was, um, yeah. There was a thing that um, the Lib Dems were pushing, the Lib Dems and their leadership things were pushing for a coalition government led by a Labour backbencher. And it's like, What? A government of national unity led by a Labour backbencher. That seems like definitely something that everyone would be fine with. <laughs> Which Labour backbencher, I wonder? Hmm. Interesting. Mm. You know, the principle of majority voting is is super powerful. It can be used against capital mm-hmm. um, when it comes time. But it can't be undermined this early on, I don't yeah. think. I, I just think it's like... It's reducing politics to the fundamental contradiction because their idea of unity is that the only division between people is Brexit. Mm-hmm. It's it, that's the fundamental division and contradiction 
mm. within this particular late capitalist society and trying to integrate labor into that because they wouldn't play by their rules they yeah. wouldn't play the way they thought they should be playing has been really distasteful and really like disgusting to me yeah cuz it just sh- it just does it shows up all of that stuff about about unity and and healing divisions and not being tribal it's like actually labor you could do with being more tribal hmm. that's what they were saying to them but yeah. in this way yeah you know you need to do it our way yeah um and you know it's of course it's come right now when labor's not in power there's no general election on the horizon yet we're still waiting for the tory leadership contest to finish up yeah um it you know it's labor so it's not going to have out and out class warfare to unite it right. to give it some focus um that insistence on democratic decision making however has been a consistent thing that everyone could kind of pull around even if you were like a communist or or, or whatever you could kind of get that get that principle and kind of kind of unite around it it was a way of doing it but and I think, like, partially what f- what it feels like caused it, it's not just been pressure from outside. It has been pressure from the middle because I think the lab- like the Labour Party under Corbyn in the last couple of years has has changed. It's kind of grown in um, amidst all these, like, fake realignments like Brexit and actual real realignments like the class structure of the country shifting, mm. austerity hitting people so hard. Yeah. What has what has changed is that their public image has grown in. They, they can't get rid of the Labour Party as it exists right now. It, it's not, it's not going to go back mm. to the same thing as it was before. Um, hard coups aren't going to work. Soft coups are going to take a very, very long time mm-hmm. if they work at all. And the Labour Party has been left, it, left occupying some kind of like mainstream it's started to get i think someone i can't remember it was on, was on twitter uh tom monday that's mm. it was talking about how it's so great how after um four years we have precisely two columnists <laughs> which is owen jones and dawn foster yeah like two regular columnists and i think like liberalism founders against this kind of thing because they've realized it hasn't it hasn't worked they've they've had to retreat back and now all they're doing is just reacting to a left that isn't going anywhere Mm. after years of the left being the one reacting to what centrists were doing and the mainstream was doing now liberals are and centrists are somewhat on the outside reacting to that and an unfortunate byproduct of the kind of constant attacks and the siege mentality within the kind of labor left has been they see the only thing they can do because they've got no focus. They mm. can't, they can't, um, they can, we can protest, which is obviously like a thing that you can, mo- you should morally do, uh, but it may not have the effects. It may not have any actual effects. Um, there's no general election to pull everyone together. There's no mm. buttons to push. There's no levers to, to, mm. to press. So you have to go in really hard. And the only thing that you have is counter reactions to what people and, Twitter facilitates this really, really well. All you have is counter reactions to liberalism's reactions to yeah. what what the Labour Party are doing. I've kind of thought that like all of the stuff about people joining up with the Labour Party and going to uh, CLP meetings and trying mm. to oust uh, like Labour right wingers. Yeah. Um, I think part of the ferocity comes from the fact that for the first time, it's the first time most people will have had a chance to actually affect something. <clears throat> definitely and all of the kind of to and fro in and like 
fudging of mandatory reselections have also cut that off. Yeah. People turned up and for the first time, you can't go into a local council and have any effect. No. You can't go, Westminster might as well be on the fucking moon. Yeah. Um, There's no local decision-making power that you can turn up to and feel like you have even the slightest bit of effect. Except now there was with your local CLP. There's one in most places. Mm -hmm. Um, You turn up to a room and you can shout or vote yeah. <laughs> uh, at people who you don't think should be there. Yeah. And it, I, I imagine it was, <laughs> I imagine from a distance, <laughs> it was quite an intoxicating feeling because for the first time you, yeah. you actually had half a, half a pinky finger on a lever, yeah. on a button that you could push and say, this is enough. We've had enough of austerity. We've mm. had enough of suffering like this. Yeah. You know? Um, but I think that like, Political education, particularly giving people something to do, mm. has been massively neglected. Um, there should be there should have been way more stuff going on. Like I, I think of the example of that. You remember that momentum video where they said you are a socialist, everyone is socialist. Oh, was that like um, a cop? Yeah, it was this. It was this like the weird. The gun. It was That's the. It was the. Yeah, it was like a YouTube video where it said like uh, everything government provided. NHS, oh, yeah. NHS, yeah. firefighters, cops uh, <laughs> was was socialism. The army trident. Um, without you know, with a little bit of. Uh, I don't think it's too much to ask that the little bit of subtlety that people can handle a little bit of subtlety. Yeah, government ownership yeah. is not necessarily socialism. No, not everything state owned. Is socialism no. that it's it's more it's more complex than that? It can be called that, hmm. but it, it doesn't have to be. And I think they've it's very much the kind of thing that if say the Lib Dems were a little more militant and had a little more kind of of a central belief system, it's the kind of thing they would have put out because it's yeah. it's reaching down yeah. rather than to 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 kind of like try and help people up. Yeah. To a level where they can they can judge the things in their own community and judge like the things that they see around them. Yeah. And apply a proper framework to it. Like I like I, I do like theory. That's mm. just me. And I know people are very critical of that, but like a little bit is gonna be necessary. Well, yeah, and that's yeah. And it, it's that video was kind of equating state ownership with workers' control, and it, it felt like it felt timid because it felt like they were reaching out to people to try and convince people that the things that they have already are okay, rather than yeah. you can make new things, you yeah. can make another world. They were, they were trying to go for the kind, you know, make it easier. Like Th- you already like socialism because you like the NHS. Yeah, things things are fine. We've already got all these things. They just need more money, which is bullshit. Mm-hmm. That's a bollocks way of approaching that shit. Definitely. Can you imagine? Coming to a, like a Labour Party meet, like like seeing that video and saying, "Yes, I would love to give the DWP more money." <laughs> They're doing such. So, they they want to do a good job, but they just can't under austerity. So give the job centre more money <laughs> yeah. to punish me. It's not people can take that. People can like manage to think that it's not just a matter of the amount of money. It's a matter of the patterns in which that money is spent and breaking yeah. the lot. Because that's what the theory is about. It's about breaking capitalist logic it's mm. about breaking the rhythms that this has gotten itself into it's been broken in our lifetimes it was broken under austerity mm-hmm. the principles by which public services were offered to people the logic was changed by cameron mm. it can be done again mm-hmm. and that's the kind of thing that will get people actually excited about that that kind of thing yeah and it, it's 
it's a logic that, like I said at the beginning, kind of runs through that democratic decision-making because that's a logic-breaking thing. Can you imagine anybody going to a job and thinking, oh, shit, I've got to go to a meeting because I've got to vote on, I don't know. I don't even, like, I don't even know. I've read about it my, like, my whole life and I don't even know how it would fucking work. <laughs> what exactly do you vote on in a workplace? I wouldn't know because it's so far from my experience. It's yeah. so far from like everybody's experience that you wouldn't even know how to go about it. And that's the kind of thing that those those principles can can yeah that those democratic principles can be applied to yeah and it just it just hasn't and it's like it, it is rather than getting a seat at the high table I can't help but feel that some rather than getting more than those two people as regular columnists more than getting Ash Sarkar on Newsnight perhaps alternative freestanding institutions mm. ones that we can rely on because. Socialist Labour is never, ever, even Social Democratic Labour is never, ever going to get a fair hearing. If mm. the last four, five years, four years, five years is not evidence of that, I don't know what is. And so it kind of tying that back into Remain, the idea that Labour's Brexit policy is ever going to get a fair hearing because it adheres to what someone else thinks mm. it should be is is just is just false. Mm. I, I don't I don't agree with it at all. Like collective institutions, socialist institutions, for, like things that can stand on their own even after Corbyn has is not leader of the Labour Party anymore. Yeah. And that we don't necessarily have those levers. It's about multiplying those levers, those things that people can attack and and use yeah. to actually create that thing because at the minute everyone's just cooped up in inside Twitter. Yeah. And social media, and it's just it's it's it doesn't produce good feelings, doesn't produce good analysis, and doesn't produce a good movement. No, you know it. I just I don't know. It, it's it's it kind of almost feels a little bit like tying that tying remain in with things were fine pre two thousand sixteen. It's aligning itself very roughly. I'm not saying exactly the same way, but very roughly to that logic. Mm. Whereas I think even a soft Brexit was enough of a change that it gave you enough manoeuvring to 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 imagine something different. Yeah. Whereas what we what a Remain position does is a Remain position means certain things. Yeah. It has certain things implicit in it, There's... and I think they're going to struggle. To believe it themselves, because I don't think they believe it. No. And that's not a Lexit position, that's just a straightforward, like, all of the baggage that comes along with Remain, all the nonsense mm -hmm. that's been talked over the last few years. There's... Remain comes along with that baggage. Yeah. There's like, I can, there's an argument that if the Labour Party does what, say, James O'Brien wants them to do, hmm. and has been calling for them to do forever, that then they can, then the media will stop arguing about that and then we'll start yes. arguing with yeah. substantive things in, like yeah. in the manifesto or like you know other policies they won't no they'll just keep on saying that you're muddled the best thing the Labour Party could have right now is for them to come out with a policy let's say free hospital car parks and for somebody to take an absolute opposite position to that mm. because that's what benefited them in the last election was mm. that they came out with sound universal practical welfare mm. policies for instance public service policies and people who didn't like Corbyn had to come out with the most ludicrous positions and that has to have had an effect mm. because that does make sense yeah like the best thing they could have now is a proper enemy they don't have proper enemies other than the, the, the Tory party who are in their own mess mm -hmm. and so can't 
they can't properly oppose mm. like what Labour are saying. What you do have is a lot of Tom Watsons yeah. who just don't talk about it. They just don't talk about any substantive issues. That's yeah. the Stella Creasy thing. They just say, I'd like things I'd like things to be a lot more ooh, like that. Because yeah. this clearly doesn't work. And it's like, what's this? What's working? What does that look like to you? Mm. They don't have good enemies, so they can't be a good socialist party, I think, yeah. in, in some ways. Yeah. There's um it's a Yeah, they're taking a remain position. It just means that they'll just talk about remain and Brexit more. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like it's not going to. Well, make they'll, a, they'll have it's to. All talk, they can talk about anyway. They'll have to. They'll have to adopt. So, in order to campaign for Remain, they will have to talk about what's good about staying in the EU, and they'll have to talk about the shit things that are mean. Oh no, staying they won't be allowed. They won't be allowed to because they'll say that that's being. That's not being. Um, oh no, support. they won't get. Any, they won't get any credit for it at all. No, they, but, they, but they won't. No, what I mean is they won't be allowed to say what are the negative things about staying in the EU. It just won't be allowed because that'll be back down to when they criticise. Oh no, when they'll he be said, forced to defend he, the negative things. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, what I mean. Yeah, because I mean, yeah. Um, mm. yeah, it will be back. They can't say anything truthful that's bad about it because then it will be back to when was it when Corbyn said that he's like a seven out of ten. Yeah, the, um, and it's like like how dare he? How dare he say that about? Beautifully, you mummy, and it's like seven out of ten. That's pretty good, actually. That's fucking way more than I would give. It's way more. That than is I'd incredibly give. generous. It is. I always knew he was a melt, <laughs> coward. It's perfect. No, it's perfect that Paul Mason should be. I don't know why I focused on him. There are others, but he seems to be. He's. It's you're the afraid, ja- you're I afraid I love, you're going to become No, it's it's his language. His messianic language mm. is perfect because. Liberals complaining about Labour not going for Remain is them complaining that it's not a Liberal... I know I've said this a number of times, but it's them complaining that Labour isn't a Liberal party. In the... in the, mm. in the, the, I'm not being ju- like judgmental or, or, or trying to have a go at liberalism necessarily in that, in that way. Mm. I'm saying that most countries have a Liberal party yeah. that is not... It might be centre-right, it might be centre-left, but they have that centrist party. Yeah. And it's ironic that it's Paul Mason and X-Trot because liberals are starting to sound like old socialists mm-hmm. in that they're angry that the Labour Party is not fulfilling its world <laughs> historical mission. <laughs> it's that separate from the people in it, separate from well, any political concerns, <laughs> the Labour Party must fulfil this 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 predestined Hegelian yeah. uh, role for itself yeah. within this political system that just happens to align with my political beliefs. Na- nature and history itself aligns with my political yeah. political beliefs. They are and I like, say that as a Marxist. That means are, a lot. They are say, sounding a lot like when I'd hear my uncles grumbling about Clause 4. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's kind of the same. Yeah. Except one of them is a... One of them was a good thing. It's when you, it's when you, it's when you resort to mysticism about it. When you start talking about that kind of stuff, it sounds mystic. It sounds mystical because it's like not rational. Socialism Mm. to me is, is rational. It can be passionate. It can be angry and aggressive. Mm. That doesn't make it any less rational. Mm. You have a set of principles and you, you can rationally argue them out. Like I don't, I don't see what's wrong with that. And, and I never saw it soft Brexit as anything like I saw it as definitely a fudge, Mm. but I also kind of saw it as actually it was a reasonably principled position considering the position that they found themselves in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. That's us for this week. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can follow us at WDT80W underscore podcast. You can follow me at BM Bergamo and follow Hugh at Tanner Smashing and we'll see you next week. Bye.
about the fighting game. 